This is West Virginia Morning. I'm Teresa Wills. Governor Jim Justice delivered his seventh State of the State last night, and with it, he followed through on something he has been hinting about. He is proposing a personal income tax cut. Tonight, I am proposing the biggest tax cut in the history of this state. I am proposing a 50% reduction in our PIT across the board now. That story and more coming up this West Virginia morning. Last month's winter storm strained the regional power grid that includes West Virginia. As Curtis State reports, the grid operator has identified the problem. West Virginia and 12 other East Coast and Midwest states make up PJM Interconnection, the nation's largest regional transmission operator. As temperatures plunged into the single digits ahead of the Christmas holiday weekend, PJM came up short on electricity. It told its member utilities, including Appalachian Power and Mon Power, to ask customers to curb their power usage. In PJM and elsewhere, the strain was mostly a failure of natural gas and coal plants. Natural gas and coal account for the majority of the power generated in PJM. PJM's territory did not experience rolling blackouts like the Tennessee Valley Authority or Duke Energy in North Carolina. For West Virginia Public Broadcasting, I'm Curtis Tate in Charleston. The West Virginia Board of Education waived some of the minimum professional licensing requirements for prospective teachers during a meeting earlier yesterday. As Shepard Snyder reports, it is a way to help them eventually become fully licensed and brought into the workforce. The waivers adjust some of the minimum requirements in current BOE policy. It allows students and resident teachers that haven't scored high enough on their content praxis exams to work in a supervised placement. The teachers must still maintain a minimum grade point average and must have attempted the exam at least twice. Office of Certification Director Robert Hagerman says the idea is to allow those who might be struggling with the exams more time. We're giving these individuals the ability to be in the classroom while they hone their skills to be able to acquire additional skills to be successful in completing those requirements or demonstrate those requirements in a different way. If they're unable to pass the content exam during the placement, teachers can still work under a temporary license. They would have to pass either the exam or their teacher performance assessment by the end of the year to make it permanent. For West Virginia Public Broadcasting, I'm Shepard Snyder in Martinsburg. State lawmakers convened on Wednesday for the start of the legislative session. As Chris Schultz reports, the Senate wasted no time in getting to work. The first regular session of the 86th legislature started in both chambers Wednesday afternoon with the organizational and procedural necessities of governance. Senate President Craig Blair and his chamber wasted no time in getting to work, suspending Senate rules to pass more than 20 bills, first of which was a bill to break up the embattled Department of Health and Human Resources into three distinct departments. Majority Leader Senator Tom Takubo of Kanawha County said the restructuring shouldn't affect taxpayers. So initially this will be budget neutral, but with the, again, synergies that hopefully the chief operating officer will be able to obtain uh, throughout the different departments, we actually believe it's going to save and return money to the taxpayers or to the, the sections of care that these different departments will be managing. The Senate also passed bills increasing the reimbursement of hospital rates from the Public Employee Insurance Agency, limiting the governor's authority to spend certain federal funds, and clarifying the authority to declare states of emergency. Chair of the Senate Judiciary Committee, Senator Charles Trump from Morgan County, said that while Senate Bill 128 does not curtail the governor or legislature's ability to declare a state of emergency, 
It does implement limitations. The law does try to incorporate some things that we've learned through the state of emergency in which we were immersed for uh, two and a half years. For example, a state of emergency declared by executive order will automatically expire after 60 days unless written notice of extension is given to the legislature. All bills passed with close to unanimous consent. They now head to the House of Delegates for consideration. For West Virginia Public Broadcasting, I'm Chris Schultz in Charleston. For decades, international adoption helped many Americans build families. It also introduced hundreds of thousands of young people into a complicated cultural legacy. On the next Us and Them, host Trey K talks with Lori Stern and her 24-year-old son about their adoption journey. Their podcast is called Defining Diego. Our podcast is about the rise and fall of international adoption. It's about our son and co-host, Diego, figuring out how he's going to straddle his two worlds, the Maya world and the Minnesota world. And it's about our relationship with his biological family. It's about those three things. It seems as though your mom, my friend Lori, has been filming and recording you uh, since the first time she laid eyes on you. Is that something that you remember right from the very beginning? Yeah, I mean, I think it's it's something that I never really had a choice in. <laughs> you know, I always <laughs> grew up with a microphone and a camera kind of in my face, and I don't really think I knew how unique or, or different that was until I, I kind of got older. Yeah, I mean, as long as I can remember, I've always been recorded. So you, you were comfortable with it? Were you ever annoyed by it? or I wouldn't say I was comfortable with it just because, like, you know, as you, as you get into the series and, and on some stuff happens in, in my life. And, you know, one of the big things was I never felt like I got time to process anything that was, you know, going on in my life without it being on camera or being recorded. It was kind of like, how are you feeling now? And I, I think that's kind of when it got a little frustrating for me, but... Looking back on it, I, I am really glad to have these tapes. Well, whose idea was it to compile this story and share it with the public? All that goes to my mother, my mom, Lori, because, you know, I, I, she's, as you, as you said in the introduction, in your wonderful introduction of us, that Lori has been recording this for a long time and, and doing stories on, on our family. And so it was all her idea. Lori, can you tell me a little bit, I mean, w was it always your intention, like almost from the very beginning, that this was something that, that you intended to do? I mean, I know documentarians like you and I, we're just constantly rolling tape on things and we're, are we going to use this or not? But did you always have the intention? I started shooting because I wanted to show my husband, Dan, our new little baby, because I was with him and Dan wasn't. And then we got stuck in Guatemala for nine months, and Diego was be doing all the baby things, and Dan and my friends and family were missing it, so of course I recorded it. And then the more I got to see, kind of behind the curtain, the more I thought, you know, I was a journalist, and I was a curious person, and I thought, oh, people people might want to know about these complexities in adoption. 
they might want to know some of what I was seeing while I was in Guatemala. So let me, let me back up a little bit. When did you decide that, that you wanted to adopt a child? Well, you know, I was in my 40s. I had had an adventure-filled, do-whatever-I-felt-like, journalistic, pursuing all kinds of relationships and curiosities. And then, boom, the biological clock chimed, and all I wanted was a baby, and Dan and I couldn't have one. International adoption was just one of the choices that people who couldn't have biological kids were making. We're listening to the latest Us and Them podcast episode called Finding Your Family. To hear the entire episode, download it wherever you get your podcasts. You can also listen online at wvpublic.org. Us and Them is supported by the West Virginia Humanities Council and the CRC Foundation. It's 7.52. This is West Virginia Morning. Rain and thunderstorms today with gusty wind, highs in the 40s, 50s, and 60s. Rain with gusty wind tonight, snow possible in higher elevations, lows in the 30s and 40s. Chance of rain and snow tomorrow with highs in the 30s and 40s. Support for the weather forecast is provided by the attorneys at Taurus Save a Law, representing firefighters, police officers, and West Virginia families. Information at TaurusSaveAlaw.com. An outage in a critical FAA computer pilot safety system led to a nationwide shutdown of flights Wednesday, affecting passengers throughout West Virginia. Caroline McGregor reports. The FAA has since lifted an imposed two-hour ground stop that brought U.S. domestic air travel to a standstill. Thousands of flights have been delayed or canceled as a result. The outage occurred in a computer system called NOTAM that alerts pilots and airports to real-time hazards. Jaeger Airport spokesperson Paige Withrow confirmed the airport is still having difficulty accessing the system and is experiencing residual delays. The airport's council, International North America, blames high levels of airport demand, saying the problem is unrelated to today's NOTAM system outages. Travelers, meanwhile, are advised to check with their airline on the flight status. Live updates are also available on Jaeger Airport's website. Reporting for West Virginia Public Broadcasting, I'm Caroline McGregor in Charleston. From a substantial personal income tax cut to a half billion dollars to advanced economic development, Governor Jim Justice's seventh State of the State address Wednesday night covered a wide range of proposed initiatives. Randy Yowie recaps the governor's plans for what he calls service to the people. With a state revenue surplus nearing $2 billion, Justice said he wanted to advance a 2022 economic development drive that he says brought 29 businesses into the state, invested more than $6 billion, and created or preserved more than 6,000 jobs. 
He sent his proposed three-year phase-in of a 50% personal income tax cut would be monumental. Right off the get-go, 30% the first year, 10% the next year, 10% the next year. And then, and then we step back and just see what an aggressive pathway that will absolutely put unbelievable monies right back into all of our pockets. Justice proposed sending $40 million to state hospitals to make adjustments and offset minimal reimbursement to PEIA insurance holders and deliver a promised pay raise. I want to put $100 million back into our PEIA fund and give every state worker a 5% pay raise. Both the House and Senate proposed dividing the Department of Health and Human Resources into three separate cabinet agencies. Justice said he and his expert staff need to listen to those ideas. If you believed in what we did in COVID with Dr. Marsh and General Hoyer and literally now Dr. Coven, I want to listen to every one of your ideas. I want them to listen to your ideas. We all can do one thing if we will do it. We can make it better. On the education front, Justice proposed $37 million go to a school aid formula increase for first grade teachers, $15 million into the HOPE scholarship program, $75 million into higher education deferred maintenance, and an initiative to let all parents see their child's curriculum online. All of our parents deserve to know exactly what's going on in the classroom. Without any question, our parents have always known what the best is for their kids. The governor also proposed an $11 million effort to stop hunger in West Virginia, $1 million for child pregnancy centers, incentives for veterans to move back to their home state, and a quarter billion dollars to consolidate state laboratories. These and even more justice initiatives now go to the legislature for consideration and debate. For West Virginia Public Broadcasting, I'm Randy Yowie in Charleston. West Virginia Morning is a production of West Virginia Public Broadcasting, which is solely responsible for its content. You can keep up with the latest West Virginia news throughout the day on our website, wvpublic.org. Support for our news bureaus comes from West Virginia University, Concord University, and Shepherd University. West Virginia Morning is produced with help from Bill Lynch, Caroline McGregor, Curtis Tate, Chris Schultz, Emily Rice, Eric Douglas, Liz McCormick, Randy Yowie, and Shepard Snyder. Eric Douglas is our news director, and he produced today's show. I'm your host, Teresa Wills. This is West Virginia Morning.